0: As we discuss Chernobyl, The Lost Tapes. Oh, boy. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> this, this is an hour and 36 minutes long. It was just released in 2022. Mm-hmm. It's on HBO Max, and the director is James Jones. Now, I did look up James Jones because my ex-husband had a friend named James Jones, and I always laugh because I thought, did they name him Jim? And then Jonestown happened, and like, well, we're going to have to go with James. Can't right. call him that. But this guy's British, so probably not the same thing. <laughs>
1: well, that's that's good. Also, <laughs> uh, it's not Jesus Jones who had a hit in the 90s or whatever. with uh,
0: Right here, right now, girl.
1: Yeah, yeah. So, <laughs> a little, di- di- little different take. Thanks, Jim Jones. Mm-hmm. Oh, boy. Okay, so something unique about this one is it's mostly subtitled. So you'll be doing a lot of reading with your baby mm-hmm. eyeballs. Mm-hmm. But it's really good. And I like the fact that. This is footage that's just been discovered in the USSR archives. So, all of this is legit. I don't know how else to say it. So, there are recordings of people who are there. Mm-hmm. You don't really see them talk, but it's played over footage of actual at the time. And that part is really interesting to see. So, there's not a lot of dramatization, but it's really good. And <laughs> then some of it's also typed out in the Cyrillic alphabet and then it kind of fades. Into English, you know, Mm -hmm. for those of us who are not educated, and it reminds me of The Hunt for Red October because they did that a lot in that movie. And I was like, "Well, that seems appropriate—the right time."
0: (laughs) (laughs) So that part really made me laugh. Nuclear submarine, yeah.
1: Yes. So there's a lot of audio from the time of the disaster, and then there's some recent interviews. Although that's not necessarily—you don't really know which is which. You can kind of tell a little bit, but yeah, it's. First-hand accounts, which is pretty awesome.
0: Yeah. And you don't always know who's talking either, unless it's mm-hmm. a female, then it's Because she's the only one. She's the only female, right? Yeah. But yeah. everyone else, sometimes it's hard to tell who's talking. Most of the time you can tell by the context,
1: but sometimes
0: mm-hmm. I just don't know. And it's not a big deal. It doesn't take away from the story at all. Mm-hmm. So
1: mm-hmm.
0: so this happened in 1986. I was just shy of 11 when this happened. And mm-hmm. I remember it happening, but it wasn't like a big to do, at least in the middle of America. Right. I don't know if you remember it at all, do you?
1: I do not, as I would have been, let's see, I would have been eight. So, you know, that's not really, I don't remember a lot of coverage. Of course, they do show footage of like our media covering the event. Mm -hmm. And you definitely get the sense that we didn't have all the information. Right, (laughs) right. There was a lot of guessing of what the fuck was going on which was kind of funny but yeah right so for as big of a deal as it ended up being the um level of controlling of the information was pretty severe
0: yeah yeah and they discussed that as mm-hmm. part of the ussr and just their whole sh- shtick right yeah I will say that I remember the next year. So this would have been the end of fourth grade for me. And I would have been going into fifth grade. And in fifth grade, I do distinctly remember the Challenger exploding. But that's because we watched it in the classroom. So Uh, slightly different. Yeah. But not really this so much. It does open with a scene of this really beautifully 80s apartment or just a living room of some sort, right? Mm -hmm. With a small tube TV on. And on the TV is Swan Lake. Mm -hmm. and it's the ballet I think it's like Tchaikovsky or some shit right yeah yeah a Russian ballet
1: yeah that's what I was gonna say big nationalists (laughs) the Russians if you're unaware (laughs) right (laughs) like think Canadians but a lot more fervent
0: so our current situation here is what you're saying (laughs) that's right gotcha oh boy okay and so there's someone speaking again we don't know who But he's talking about when one of the presidents died in 1982, they didn't say anything. All the television stations just switched over to Swan Lake for like six hours or something or who knows how long. And so everyone knew something was wrong. Right. But no one said anything. He describes that in the Soviet reunion, Soviet reunion. That's not it at all.
1: (laughs) (laughs) That's what they're trying, though, right? They're trying to be the Soviet reunion now. (laughs) 25th silver reunion (laughs) come
0: back ukraine anyway (laughs) in the soviet union the relationship with the truth was complicated and i think that's the most understated way of putting it ever
1: yeah subtle Mm -hmm. i like the fact that so they took all this great documentation and footage because they were going to be like look how well we handled this world and then it was like a disaster, and so they had to bury all that shit, and I'm like, oh, that's so juicy, right? Like... It's horrible and awesome all at the same time. (laughs) It really is. Right? So you're like, now it's really interesting to go back and look at the... I mean, okay. Let's just put this out there early. Don't be eating while you're watching this. Please don't do that. No. No. I'm just... I mean, we might need to put a blanket statement out there. Anything we recommend that you watch, (laughs) it's popcorn only, if you're lucky, like... (laughs) No. Don't even add Milk Duds to that. I know they're delicious together, <laughs> but it's not advisable. No, it's just no good. You're going to be like, whoa! So, <laughs> so much of this. But again, it's really, really interesting. And it's, I mean, people really suffered from this. Yes. Uh, and it's incredible. Yeah, but it, it's a tough one to watch. So, but it's fascinating. So I don't know how to, to best... It's hard to say. I really enjoyed watching this horrible thing that people suffered through.
0: Right. I think the best way to say it is it is very interesting to learn.
1: Yeah. I yeah. don't
0: like the idea of the outcome,
1: Mm-mm. but
0: learning what happened, how it happened, what they did to, I use this word lightly, fix it. And then hopefully we all learn from it a little bit. Right. Yeah. Yeah. So let's talk about Chernobyl. Hmm. I was so fascinated by the fact that they essentially built, if you think about old-time mining towns, they did mm-hmm. this for nuclear energy, right? They
1: mm-hmm.
0: made these towns, so in particular around Chernobyl, there was the town of Chernobyl and also Priyapet.
1: Mm-hmm. I'm probably slaughtering that name, and I'm sorry. Well, we've established that we're terrible at pronunciation, so. Yeah, <laughs> that's going to happen a lot here. <laughs> <laughs> right?
0: yeah. And they were these new shining, glorious towns. And you see video, like they had parades when they opened up the power plant. Ludmilla was talking, she lived there. She's like, it was new, it was like heaven. Because in the Soviet Union, most things were pretty run down, right? Yeah, yeah. And it was young. They said the average age was about 26.
1: Yes. Mm -hmm. And
0: so I just imagine it was amazing to move there. When you have guaranteed work. Mm Mm-hmm. Whatever you're doing, everyone there has to either, if you're doing hospital, teacher, nuclear plant, whatever is there mm-hmm. is for that community. And so if you're going to have work, right? Right. It just looked amazing.
1: Yeah. I liked what Miller said too, because she got there and she absolutely loved it. Everything was green. Everything was mm-hmm. modern and new. There were people just everywhere. Right on the river. Yeah. There were people swimming. It was just, it looked so idyllic, right? But I liked the fact that she said there were women doing all kinds of different jobs there. There was footage of women welding and all kinds of shit, mm-hmm. which we all learned is possible from Flash Dance, but I like that they took it a, a little bit further here. Absolutely. This is pre Flash Dance, right? so you know. Yeah, so there's ladies, they're doing all kinds of interesting jobs and maybe non traditional women jobs, which I really dug. Mm-hmm. And their brothers would come into the town to visit them. And that's how Ludmilla met her hubs. And I thought, that's fucking adorable. It is. It is. Fasa, he was a firefighter. Mm -hmm. So they, you know, had big plans and everything was coming up aces for them. It just was a really positive time. And I really thought that was sweet. And then they show some of these promos for the launches of these reactors. And I'm like, yes, more of that, please. First of all, the background music is straight out of 80s soap operas.
0: Straight. Right. <laughs> it's horrible. And they have they're like, um, nuclear radiation safety is paramount and the safety systems of Soviet nuclear power plants fully meet international requirements. Um. Okay. <laughs> I think we can harken back to every time someone's
1: like quality, 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 just because you say the word doesn't make it look there were people walking around in a lot of white gowns and hats and so i'm like that must be all you need that looks legit surely they're just as good as lead (laughs) yeah that weave is tight on those paper gowns (laughs) but they show like in the control room there's a giant light bright behind the operators and i'm like what the fuck is that what is that thing it is like a circle and there's like little grids and they're all kinds of lights popping on and off of this thing. It was fascinating. And then as you kind of keep going, there's other things that look like some shit straight out of Star Trek graphics. It was, Oh yeah. Original Star Trek. Yeah. It's so good and terrible. Like I was, Mm -hmm. that was maybe my favorite part of the whole thing. I was like, Oh, this propaganda machine is out of control. It was so good. Yeah. I was all on board. I was in. (laughs) 100%. 100%. I was like, I could work there. I mean, I don't, you know, I was eight, but I could totally hand somebody a wrench or hold a flashlight. I was well-trained at that time to do those kinds of jobs.
0: Listen, I was an ace at Lightbright, so. You were, you were all over it.
1: That was my job. You could do that mm-hmm, clown, mm-hmm. that terrifying clown uh, <laughs> pattern in, like, <laughs> yeah. lickety-split. Yeah. Didn't even need the paper <laughs> for it. I could just do it. It's amazing. Yeah. Woo. <laughs> okay. Um,
0: Throughout this, one of the engineers at Chernobyl that we talked to is Olesky Bruce. He was a nuclear engineer, so he's the one kind of telling us how it was drilled into them that the Soviet nuclear program was the best and the safest in the world. Yeah. Yeah. If you have to continuously tell your people that, it's very much a, we're not showing you, so we have to tell you until you believe it, in my
1: opinion. Yes. I also wanted to mention that he says one time that, His work was extremely complicated, but he just said it once. And so I was like, oh, I don't think I hate that statement. Whereas he didn't say it 50 times and like, oh, it takes forever to learn how to do this. I was like, well, I'm glad it's not as hard as bridge. So I felt good about that. It's funny this shit you pick up on now in these interviews. I'm like, oh, that guy's, I mean, like, you know, it was said with some authority and, but he didn't postulate on it forever. So I felt good about that statement. Whereas normally I would tear somebody up for saying some shit like that. (laughs) Right. Uh,
0: Let's see. The first reactor launched in September of 1977. Mm -hmm. The second reactor launched in December of 1978. The third in December of 1981. And the fourth and final Mm -hmm. reactor was November 1983. Right. And, you know, it seemed like they were doing pretty good with safety to the extent that they had scientists monitoring the radiation Mm -hmm. in the water and the soil and air around the plant like daily. They didn't worry about disease because it's this young, fit population. Their biggest concern at the hospital was the birth rate. They like, oh, listen, we need to expand this maternity ward. You people are fucking like crazy.
1: I wrote down, there's a shit ton of babies in this freaking town.
0: Well, yes. But if you think about the fact that they had very little to worry about, right. They had good jobs. They had a good life. Mm-hmm. They had it, the stresses that keep a lot of people from procreating mm-hmm. weren't there. And so why would also
1: they everybody's there? 26. So right. that's prime birth and age. <laughs> it's prime right? birth
0: and age. <laughs> <laughs> Shit. Some people have five kids. Yeah. Than I don't know. There are
1: some pretty spectacular maternity dresses and stuff, walking around, pushing strollers. I mean, there's, kid walking beside you there's a kid in a stroller there's a kid in your shoulders and there's a kid in your belly and i'm just like that's a fucking ton of kids just saying i think a good rule of thumb is to not have more kids
0: than you have hands <laughs> just <laughs> because you got to keep hold of them at some point in time right that's right
1: know. and they'll plot against you we all know it Gosh,
0: they're the worst mm. okay so ludmila and vasa got mm-hmm. married and they got pregnant right away which was perfect because he came from a big family wanted a big family can we also mention that they have pictures of them, like wedding pictures, but regular pictures. And she has like a gold tooth. Yeah. And that makes her look kind of badass to me. Like, listen, don't fuck with this woman.
1: We should have known early that she was going to be like a gangsta. And she she mm-hmm. plays it out. She earned that gold tooth early. I don't know doing what. But yeah, she was hardcore.
0: And uh, it's badass.
1: I was laughing because at some point, people didn't smile in wedding pictures. Did you notice that? They're like just... I mean, it could have been from... Mm-hmm. You know the seventies. It could have been from eighteen eighty-three. I don't know. It was just like, don't <laughs> right. fucking smiles.
0: I know they didn't before when you did tin types because you had to stand very, oh, simple, very long, okay. there right? You go. So right. your cheeks would hurt and shit. I'd imagine. But that's why they're very posed pictures. But these, I don't know. There's no excuse in the 70s why you wouldn't smile on your wife. I don't know. It
1: was cute, though. I mean, like you can tell from the way she talks about him that they were very happy. So I still got the connotation that they were happy despite the no smiling. It was stoic. So maybe that's just uh, (laughs) typical Russian behavior.
0: Listen, they can't be shown to be happy because that is a
1: weakness. Right. There's some hardy folks over there. They don't fuck around.
0: Shh. Shit, yeah. I'll give give them shit for their government just as much as they give us shit for our government. But I'd like to think their people are just like um, cool people. Yeah. Right. I've always wanted to go to Russia.
1: Always wanted to. I 100% agree. We can put that on our list of places to go record in somebody's closet. So let us know if you're up for it. As soon as Putin dies, please. Mm hmm. We're not saying you should do anything about that to hasten that to happen. But no. Right. We're just saying. Just keep us posted. You know, as far as I know, he's not a vampire. So.
0: Let's just say we can be as awesome as Pussy Riot. That's
1: our goal. Oh, you cut right to the heart of me, Erin McCourt. Yeah, <laughs> good stuff.
0: Okay, moving on. So it was the 26th of April, 1986.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: It's one twenty-six a.m. We're hearing from Ludmilla because she hadn't gone to sleep yet. She had what they call morning sickness, but happens around the clock. Mm-hmm. Right? So she was kind of sick. So she was up. And I don't know if she heard the explosion. I'm pretty sure a lot of people felt it because mm-hmm. it was a pretty big explosion. Yeah. But she saw the firefighters kind of going out and she mm-hmm. saw Massa getting ready. And he said, oh, there's just a, there's a fire at the plant. They were originally told, I think it was just on the roof or between a couple reactors. Mm-hmm. They didn't know the extent of it. They do play the call to the firefighters to the station. Yep. It sounded frantic. It did not sound like, oh, it's just a little fire. It was frantic.
1: Right. It's immediately, like, call the commanders. Call everybody. This Mm -hmm. is a thing. It's not like, oh, somebody, you know, dropped a cigarette in the trash can kind of situation. Right. It's a big deal. Right. I have that Lumilla mentions that her apartment was overlooking the garden. So, of course, she can see the plant. And Vasio was going with the firemen. But then she said that she also saw the blaze and the smoke. And then very quickly, she mentions that she saw a mushroom cloud. Did you get that? Yes. That's never a good sign. No. Ever. Nada. (laughs) So, yeah, I can imagine that if you were sleeping, maybe you didn't feel it. Maybe you didn't hear it. But if you were awake, I imagine the shock wave was significant enough that you would have noticed.
0: I'm going to say people probably felt it. And I'm only going to say it for this reason. Because there was an explosion here a few years back.
1: Mm -hmm.
0: And it was several miles up the road.
1: Mm -hmm.
0: Do you remember that house that exploded that the couple set on fire on purpose
1: and killed somebody else Mm -hmm. in the neighborhood? I sure do. Mm -hmm.
0: Yep. So I remember that. And I remember I felt it and I'm several miles away. Mm -hmm. And so even though they're several miles away, that explosion would have been much more significant than a house exploding. So I imagine they probably felt it.
1: That is dramatized in the mini series, Mm -hmm. but is not necessarily said that way in the documentary. Correct. Mm-hmm.
0: And they don't talk much about those initial hours mm-hmm. other than Oleski. Mm-hmm. He discussed that as he's coming in, because he works like a day shift. And so he, he slept like normal. He gets mm-hmm. up with his alarm. He gets some coffee, gets on the bus. And as he's going in, mm-hmm. he's seeing kind of what's going on. He had no idea what he was going into. Right.
1: That's kind of crazy, right? Well, yeah, so in the dark, they're not able to see the damage, like, the extent of the damage. But as, like, mm-hmm. the sun comes up in the 6 o'clock hour-ish, they're able to see a lot more of what's going on. Right. So there's people walking around all over the place. There's fucking helicopters everywhere. Oh, boy. hmm Yeah, and so he mentions that there are a few night shifters that remained in the control room because it was kind of their job to help out. The firefighters and everybody that's trying to get this under control. He mentions mm-hmm. a couple of them by name. I have Alexander, Ilonia. Boy, I didn't get any other names. Yeah. Okay, but at this point, let me go ahead and mention that both of those guys have a lethal dose of radiation by this time. Mm-hmm. And he shakes one of their hands, correct? Yes, he does. So there's another guy that he mentions is there, and he's I, in some kind of change room. And his whole body is red. So you're kind of starting to understand that there are some very extreme conditions coming up for people that have been exposed to the radiation, which they are completely unaware of somehow.
0: Well, he's not. He said he's, you know, Mm -hmm. they're not aware maybe of the effects, right? Because surely they've been taught it's not that big of a deal. Right.
1: It's a bad scene. And I love the fact that they have. Okay. Let me just say that through this whole thing there's a Geiger counter going off the whole time. Like, Constantly. It's just like a background Static in the music. background. Yes, and it is. <laughs> yeah. they, they use that in the miniseries too, and it's like a great thing to ramp up my anxiety because I'm like, oh no, it, it's just, oh boy. Right. Someone
0: later, um, Alexander, he mentions that you see flashes on film, which is also radiation affecting the film, which I never would have thought of, but he's like, yeah, it's just like the Geiger counter was sound. This mm-hmm. is what happens on film. Yeah, so
1: they've got some good footage of of that, which is really something. Yeah, because I mean, we mm-hmm. unless you had been in that situation and seen this, you may not have known, and I certainly didn't. No, I didn't either. I think that it's interesting to talk a little bit about. You can't feel radiation. You can't see it. Nope. You really have no idea that it's going on, except for extreme cases. So, the guy that's body was red. There are some other things. Like there are some people who talk about a metallic taste in their mouth. Mm-hmm. There's some other things. So there are if you're exposed to enough of it in a short amount of time. One of the guys talks about having radiation euphoria, which he was like, I was almost festive. I felt like I had a ton of energy and whatever. And it's like, oh, mm-hmm. that's really weird to think about that. So
0: right. But yeah. then shortly after he said it comes down quick and you are nauseous and you are tired. Yeah. And it's just horrible.
1: But there's that brief time where you feel great. It is interesting too to think about. They had Geiger counters, so they were aware that there was some radiation, but it wasn't high enough. Mm-hmm. At least they could not tell with the equipment that they had how bad it really was. So they thought they thought it was okay. They thought it's not great, yeah. but it's not the worst because this is the number mm-hmm. we're getting. Mm-hmm. You want to talk about why that number was the number?
0: Oh, because it, they t- it just topped out for of that number, right? It's Yeah. So instead of instead of I mean, say it tops off at 10 and you're like, well, it's 10 whatever units per hour or whatever. And they're like, it took someone else coming in saying, but that's just where it stopped. (laughs) It can't go any
1: higher. Right. Right. You're at The top end of the range, you can't measure any higher. So they were like, oh, Mm -hmm. good enough, which is wow. I mean, that's probably one of the best lessons to this whole thing. Maybe we need to get something (laughs) that can read the range. Though. Right. And
0: well, they got, and so they got a higher one mm-hmm. and that topped off too. And they're like, okay, well, yeah, it's worse. Maybe it's 300 now, but it's still mm-hmm. not the end of the world. And again, it was topped off. This wasn't like they had a really hard time mm-hmm. really getting a good idea. They say later that they calculated that it was about the amount of 400 nuclear bombs, like the ones dropped on Hiroshima and Nagasaki. That's yes. how much radiation was coming out.
1: Yeah and i think that there's it's also true that the people who were asking the right questions wasn't really welcome right this is not really a right. a culture of bring us your problems we want to hear about that this was like you're Whoa. being inconvenient right now mhm so that really wasn't great
0: yeah Olesky said that he went to the decontamination shower and noticed his body was bronzed, like Mm -hmm. if it was suntanned, right? So, Mm -hmm. just like that other gentleman looked like he was sunburnt, but Mm -hmm. he had been in it longer, his hands and face and neck were red where the clothing wasn't. Mm -hmm. So, he goes in to get checked. They go into like a reader to make sure that Mm -hmm. you're safe to leave. And his right arm and right leg were contaminated still. Right. And he assumes it's from when he shook that gentleman's hand that had been sitting in bathing in radiation for how many hours. Yeah. yeah. That's all it took to transfer it to him.
1: Right. And I don't know what you do with that. I don't think there's anything they can't, I mean, they can't silkwood shower that out of you. Okay.
0: <laughs> they sure fucking tried though, didn't they? <laughs> they really did.
1: They were wire bristle brushes scrubbing your ass. I don't know. Um oh, Jesus. But yeah, it's, it's difficult now because you understand that they're in the beginning stages of what evidently is a horrible fucking death. Yes. Yeah. Yeah, It was, that part is rough to watch what ends up happening to the body after you get these very high levels of radiation. Mm -hmm. So
0: it's crazy because it's not like it's just coming out of the top. So right. This reactor exploded, mm -hmm. literally exploded something that no one thought could happen. Yeah. And so you have nuclear fuel, on the ground yeah so it's not like just going up into the sky and into the air it's you're right next to it these firefighters were picking it up they were trying to remove it they were yeah there was fuel on the ground Mm -hmm. and just decaying away (sighs) sorry
1: yeah so there are a lot of people that don't understand the risks of what they were dealing with there are people who don't want to admit what actually happened even though the evidence is Right there, mm-hmm. and then the people again that are asking and saying, "Hey, I think the core exploded," they were not really welcome. <laughs> they were silenced. Uh, I mean, like no. not killed, but they were very much discouraged from speaking on that. They were like, "No, no, it's it couldn't possibly, couldn't possibly have an explosion in this sucker." So yeah,
0: you don't know what you're talking about. You're a fucking idiot. It couldn't yes. possibly happen.
1: Yeah. So life continues in the town of Chernobyl. The next morning, mm-hmm. kids are going to school. There's some horrible six-day school week.
0: Listen, those Russians aren't fucking around, dude.
1: Yeah, as we're introduced to Alexander, who's the school boy that's 10 years old. So um, he's mm-hmm. talking about, you know, everybody was up and out. There's people and kids everywhere. Just a normal Saturday, yep. Yeah, after the second lesson, he mentions their teacher did not come back in the room. And so the kids drift over to the windows when they start to hear sirens and stuff. And then this kid and a buddy of his just slip right out the window, which I was like, that sounds like some shit a 10 year old boy would do. unsupervised." Um, <laughs> yeah. Yes, it does. And they like run over to the hospital and they start to see all of the ambulances and stuff that are bringing people that have responded mm-hmm. to the explosion that are now starting to feel the initial or maybe not initial initial effects, but these are people who are sick enough mm-hmm. to be hospitalized at this point.
0: Right. And their wounds, a lot of them probably look like burns, right? Because they kind of are burnt, but it's a different kind of burn. So that's what they're treated as.
1: Yeah. So at this point, it kind of flashes over to Moscow, which is 700 kilometers northeast of the explosion.
0: Listen, it is 697 kilometers northeast. That was such a very exact number. I'm sorry, it was hilarious. I'm like, at what point? Is it the most outermost point of Chernobyl to the outermost (laughs) point of Moscow? What are we measuring here?
1: Yeah, we'll have to get a... (laughs) topographic expert to explain how they measure that to us. <laughs> so they kind of introduced uh, General Nikolai Tarakonov. There you go. Beautiful. So he's talking about the all the brass, all the military hit, you know, bigwigs are kind of ordered back to Moscow. They're told a little bit about the explosion, that there was an issue. There's not a lot of information. So they're kind of starting to be like, okay, well, what do we need to do? Well, let's set up some checkpoints So cars coming into Moscow, they're checking to see if those cars are radioactive and boy, howdy, they found out that they are, which is craziness. Mm -hmm. I think that's maybe one of the first indications of how big this is going to be, but he was impressed when they figured that out, I guess.
0: I think what's funniest to me is that all, yeah, you're right. All the generals officers are brought in. They're like, listen, it's your job to protect (laughs) Russia And Moscow and make sure Mm -hmm. that the radiation doesn't get in here. Your job. Like, listen, we've created this problem. You're (laughs) going to have to solve it. It's so typical, isn't it? Right. (laughs) Of any kind of company, any kind of government. Yeah.
1: We're not going to solve this. That's up to you. You just recycle a little bit and the earth will be better. Right. Because if we deny this thing long enough, um, it'll totally go away. It'll totally go away. So we don't issue any kind of public warnings. People are just going about their fucking day. Mm-hmm. About 36 hours after, they do get their shit together and decide that they're going to start evacuations. I thought it was interesting that they had people standing around outside where the radiation exposure was much higher instead of telling them to shelter in place, which was probably the best move.
0: Right. So they get people outside to wait for this evacuation. Here's the announcement they made over mm-hmm. a loudspeaker said, attention, in connection with the accident at the Chernobyl nuclear power plant, the town is developing unfavorable radiation conditions. Again, a huge understatement. Beautifully done. Yeah. In order to ensure the complete safety of people, and especially children, it is necessary to temporarily evacuate the town's residents to nearby areas of the Kiev region. Comrades, please keep calm and organized during the temporary evacuation. Mm -hmm. And then they have everyone meet at the park outside... Waiting for evacuation, that never happened that day. Didn't happen that day.
1: Right. So they're just outside for a couple hours or more. The buses, at least from the footage, are present. But there's just people. It's like a, it's like they're getting ready to go on a tour, right? There's just people hanging out. There's, like, mm-hmm. teenagers swooning over each other. It's
0: right. kids
1: playing in parks and shit like that. It's crazy. Treating
0: it like a vacation. Well, yeah. and the buses came, like, the next day, right? Oh, okay, they yeah. They yeah. everyone went home finally. They just, like, yeah, okay, fine, nothing's happening. They go mm-hmm. home. They're told to take any important documents, a couple days' worth of clothes, and a
1: couple days' worth of food. Take that radioactive food with you, please. Well, I thought it was funny, too, because it was like, seems like a weird evacuation to me. Like, take your canned goods. I mean, what are you supposed to do with them? <laughs> but don't take your pets. I know, they have you did not take those pets. And then they say this horrible thing about how the dogs were howling. And I was like, oh, poor buddies. I mean, I get it. But it's very sad.
0: Yeah. When they talk about the liquidators in this documentary, they don't talk about that's what was one of the jobs of the liquidators was to kill all the animals, pets,
1: wildlife, Mm -hmm. everything. And there's nothing that they can do about that, right? Like that was a necessary outcome because you can't have them wandering around spreading this everywhere. And eventually they're going to die anyway. So it's not great. No. Yeah. It's very difficult to think about it, though.
0: They say 2,200 buses came to Pripyat and Chernobyl. It's mm-hmm. a lot of buses, really. And then I think it was... What was his name? Oh, Nikolai. Yes, Nikolai. We'll call him Nikolai. But it's Nikolai Tarakanov. But he said that pretty much everything they said in the announcement was a lie. It's temporary. It's not temporary. Radiation levels are safe. It's totally not safe. Right. You'll come back. Just leave everything there. I mean...
1: It was just amazing just to keep well, When you calm. think about it, yeah, the radiation has polluted everything. So yes. take as little shit as you possibly can. Mm-hmm. But, of course, they couldn't really say that because the public would have panicked.
0: But they did think, honestly, that it would be temporary. Now, I don't think they thought it would only be three days. Yeah. But I think they thought that eventually people would come back. And their mm-hmm. actions later kind of proved that they were trying to make it habitable again. Mm-hmm. It just never was still to this day Mm -hmm. because the half-life of uranium is what a thousand years i don't know something stupid like that
1: yeah beyond our lifetime for sure or the lifetime of the folks at the time because you know that's not really increased that dramatically in the last several years right we now kind of talk to ior the helicopter pilot
0: ihor
1: or ihor
0: (laughs) not igor either way there were three separate people with this name. I'm like this yes. is the most popular Russian name I've ever heard of apparently. Right. We'll call him Ihor it sounds better.
1: Okay, Ihor. So, he talks about the pilots are called in like be prepared for immediate instruction so they start to fly bags of sand and boron rods to drop into the reactor because at some point they figured out oh this is not a surface level explosion. We got into the meat of the whole thing right the impossible Mm -hmm. has happened and now Mm -hmm. we have an exposed core
0: yep so yeah they're dumping all of this stuff on trying to smother the fire so the Mm -hmm. the thought is if they can stop the fire they would minimize the radiation getting out right moving forward right you can't control
1: what's already out and you have to drop you have to put specific shit on this fire it's not a normal fire it's not like you can just throw some water on there and it's going to do anything. At some point, a scientist came in and said, boron rods and sand are probably Mm -hmm. your best hope.
0: Yep. And he discussed how I whore discuss how it's like 10 to 15 minutes in flight. And then you land and you reload and 10 to 15 minutes. I mean, he said it was just exhausting because you're up and down and up. And I can imagine because just when I'm in a car, if I'm getting in and out and in and out and it's annoying (laughs) as hell. So I imagine this is a thousand times worse, but also, they're getting bombarded with all this radiation at the same time, which is making them sick and fatigued. And of course they're probably not told about all the radiation when they're doing this.
1: Well, that's one thing I thought was really good in the mini series. They kind of show some level of awareness that this wasn't good for the people that were doing this work. However, the work still had Mm -hmm. to be done. So while the folks, in some cases, it seemed like the folks understood what was happening. And in some cases, it seemed like the folks did not understand what was happening. And so they mm-hmm. were, in essence, just sacrificed. So, yeah, military people of the world, keep that in mind. Just say <laughs> like just...
0: Yeah, it doesn't matter what country you belong mm-hmm. to. I'm pretty sure you're considered sacrificial. At least we are here. Girl, you're cannon fodder.
1: I thought a lot about that when I was watching this. uh this time around so in one case the pilots actually crashed they got into some guide wires of something or other they said Mm -hmm. the sun was in the eyes of the pilot he could not see and of course there's smoke and shit everywhere too so he was essentially blinded and then they crashed and a bunch of those folks died which was very sad but Mm they had to keep going this was about a week-long effort and the sand and boron actually made it worse Um, It did smother the fire. (laughs) However, they got into some secondary issues with the weight of the Mm -hmm. sand and boron that were put on that.
0: Yeah, it started to collapse underneath. And so that caused more radiation to be released. Yes,
1: they had another kind of bigger release of the radionucleotides, which is a fun word to say, probably something I never Mm -hmm. want to experience. Thanks. But uh, in theory, Mm -hmm. how neat. And by the way, since this I did mention it had been about a week that they were working on this. So consider this fire has been burning this whole time. And there's a giant plume of smoke. And there's wind. And the wind is blowing all that shit all around the place. And it ends up uh, that they're starting to have radiation reach uh, reaching Scandinavia. So that sort of forces the hand of the Soviet Union to say, oh, P.S., we had an issue A teeny, 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 tiny issue. Right. Thanks, guys. Um, Don't worry about it. I mean, I don't Mm -hmm. know what they said, but yeah. So it gets out. Yeah. 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 (laughs) (laughs) Yes. Thanks for playing.
0: And like you said before, part of the reason they were taking this footage was to show the world how they solved this problem, right? Right. It's kind of the same logic here. They didn't want to say anything until they had fixed it, and they're like, listen, we had... They could have been like, listen, we had a problem, but we have totally fixed it because we're the Soviet Union. We're fucking amazeballs, right? Right. That didn't happen, and mm-hmm. now the world knows, and now they have to come out and be like, well, yeah, okay, fine. Right. You know, <laughs> that's it. That's also, pretty much all they said.
1: We've released a pestilence upon you and your family. Sorry about you. <laughs> Something mm-hmm. else. So uh while our friend Gorbachev had wanted a swift and a quiet resolution that is not exactly what happened. So then they talk about Kiev, which is ninety five kilometers southeast of the explosion. Are we sure it's ninety-five, not ninety-three point two? I mean that's what it said. That I wrote. Okay. Down. I didn't round okay. this time. Okay. I learned my lesson, fuck. So they show again this is the most photographed and uh, videotaped time in history, evidently. There's just a lot yeah. of juicy nuggets to choose from. So they're having May Day celebrations. There's parades and shit going on. There's people out everywhere. Radiation levels are about 50 times higher than normal. What's on the radio? It's just propaganda saying, We good, everybody, we good. <laughs> Don't worry about it.
0: Essentially. Yeah. Look at how we're living this life. don't
1: listen to those bourgeois Western civilizations
0: that say that it's all (laughs) bullshit. You know, it's the worst ever. They don't know what they're talking about. We're living this happy, happy life.
1: Mm -hmm. Uh, Yeah. 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 Good times.
0: While they're spreading the propaganda, our friend Ihor, he was, or Ihor, whatever his name is. He talks about that they then have to help suppress the radiation. Right. This was completely new information to me. I've researched Chernobyl a lot because it fascinates me, Mm -hmm. but this was a whole new one. So what they did was they sprayed, he said, about 10 to 15 tons of liquid plastic all over everything, all over the fields, cars, buildings, everything.
1: Yeah. That just seems weird, right? Well, I'm like, is that latex? Is that, what is liquid plastic? I mean, I understand the point, right? So they're they're trying mm-hmm. to tamp it down, right? So there's no dust. There's no nothing getting off of this stuff.
0: Mm-hmm. Well, and also if it rains, it's not going to go, I mean, right. the rain's just going to sit on top, right? It's not going to go down into the water. And I get that. It just, I would think there probably would be a better
1: way. I mean, it'd be interesting to know now. I mean, they don't really talk a lot about how they should have handled it. Which would have been another interesting thing to do, mm-hmm. maybe.
0: I mean, we're, we're far enough away that we have new science, too. So they're working with the science they have at the time as well,
1: right? Right. And what's available? Like, I don't know if, mm-hmm. you know, the silica and boron, I mean, there's probably a ton of sand available. You could get sand. There's probably some stuff that might have worked, but you couldn't get it in the quantities that you needed. So this might be another one of those situations. Like, we don't have a giant plastic tarp to put over the whole thing, but we could do liquid plastic. I mean, I don't know. So it's interesting to know what, what their options were, and they're like, I guess we go with door number two. Right. So about this time, we found out that there's a big threat to the groundwater supply if the fire continues to burn through the bottom of the reactor. And then I wrote, dash, big kill. That's just, I was like, no, that'll be enough. Let
0: <laughs> death, die. Yes, right
1: For everyone. <laughs> Everybody. And everything. Just basically everybody.
0: hmm Yeah, they said, I think it was our friend Nikolai, mm-hmm. he said, it would probably kill everyone in Ukraine and the USSR and spread contamination around the world.
1: Right. Jesus. Seems like a big deal. Yeah, a bit. But who <laughs> do they get to save the day? Uh, miners. Much like in Armageddon, uh, the movie. <laughs>
0: <laughs> Just like that. I think I saw Bruce Willis
1: there. Right. So yeah, they go and they find miners to dig under the reactor to I think put some kind of a heat exchange or something. That's what was in the mini-series. They talk about a heat exchange with some liquid, nit- liquid nitrogen but I don't know how the details of what exactly they were building under it from the documentary. But they had to get miners to dig up underneath all that to lay down the next level yeah. of protection.
0: They made a concrete tunnel essentially is what they were digging yes
1: well they dug and then
0: put the concrete in place yes we have another ihor our new friend ihor Hodozov. Hadozov? i don't know he's a miner mm-hmm. and he's talking he said they did eight shifts of three hours mm-hmm. which is how they got through so each each person would have three hours a day mm-hmm. they didn't say how many miners they have but there were a lot he said the work wasn't so much hard but stressful. And he said, imagine three hours of just nonstop, very hard labor, mm-hmm. no stopping, no breaks, no nothing, just balls to the wall, right? Mm-hmm. And they didn't know anything about the radiation and how harmful it would be until a couple years later when the first miner died. And then they start hearing more and more about illness and death and
1: all of that. Yeah. Said about two years out that they mm-hmm.
0: started, started to see the effects yeah, of it.
1: Started to figure things out. So then let's go into the next horrible leg of this. Ludmilla, she talks about Fascia going to the hospital like all the firefighters. He was in critical condition, which she thought was really weird because they were like playing cards and stuff. Like they didn't seem like they were in critical condition. Mm -hmm. And then she said she did have to bribe her way in. She lied about being pregnant because she was pregnant at the time, Um, but she didn't Mm -hmm. know about the danger. So she said that she does hug and give him smooches despite doctor's orders not to touch him because, again, I think that this stems from lack of awareness of what was really going on with him because, like, her eyes are telling her, like, empirical evidence tells her that he's mm-hmm. not that bad. So she's not mm-hmm. thinking about, you know, the horrible long-term effects that she's about to see. Yeah. Good times. Right.
0: Well, and we learned that the hospital they took him to, hospital number six or whatever. Yeah was actually set up as a radiation hospital, at least mm-hmm. a portion of it, because they had been studying radiation sickness for quite a while. And I'm mm-hmm. sure it had to do with the whole cold war, nuclear bomb type of situation, yep. more so than this kind of situation. So mm-hmm. they had some medicine and some things they could do and they were implementing, mm-hmm. but they really were only taking care of those people they knew would survive. Because some of them they knew weren't going to survive yep. and they made them comfortable. They didn't really treat them very much. Right. Oh, what did they call it? They called it the fourth department. That call, right. that just sounds sketchy. Well, it's like the right? fourth dimension, right? Like, right. Mm-hmm. But we hear about Dr. Gale. So Dr. Gale was an American doctor who traveled to Russia to try to help, right? They did this whole press conference, like they're going to work together, the Americans and the Russians. Again, the Iron Curtain was straight down at this time. <laughs> there was no intermingling. So right. it was kind of a big deal for him to mm-hmm. go over there. But they set him up for failure, right? They only gave him cases they knew were terminal.
1: Right. The lost causes. Which is pretty fucked up. Yes. The Soviets were extremely concerned with their image at this point. And so they're not mm-hmm. really considering loss of life. This is not really something that they're mm-hmm. weighing heavily, in my opinion. At least that's mm-hmm. the gist that you're getting from the show. Yeah.
0: Right. Like, they they would rather see Dr. Gale. Look bad as an American, like come yep. over and not be able to help and fail, yep. than to actually let him help people. You know, because he might have been able to do some real good yep. with others. Yep. He does end up giving Vasya a bone marrow transplant, which mm-hmm. I have heard is excruciating. Mm-hmm. So, you know, this poor Dr. Gale is telling Ludmilla and Vasya that, yep, you know, he's young, he's healthy, he should recover and it's just
1: downhill evidently extremely muscular yeah (laughs) it's just but Vasya, he's in really bad shape and this is probably the part of both of these you know the doc and the miniseries it is extremely hard to watch I think that maybe they didn't show the worst of it in the documentary but the shit that they do show you just looks like hell on earth is probably the best way I can put it like You have sores and blisters everywhere. Like your skin Mm -hmm. is peeling off. It's just unbelievably difficult to see.
0: She had said even inside his mouth. So I'm assuming it's probably all the way down his throat into his lungs. He's probably got sores internally as well. Mm -hmm. They get to the point where they can't take in food anymore. They reject food. Their body rejects everything.
1: Like to the point they won't digest it, which I thought, well, that's interesting. I mean, like not being able to eat because you're nauseous. I think that's probably something that people can identify with. Mm-hmm. but just like your body's like no thanks <laughs> it's just a weird dynamic mm-hmm. i think it's interesting that ludmila goes to see gorbachev he has a bunch of the families the firefighters come and visit mm-hmm. there's a lot of the typical glad handing and they're heroes and blah 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 and like thanks for your sacrifice and she's like he's still alive and then they make her sign a disclosure <laughs> like non-disclosure. A non-disclosure yes and i think that really put her off because she's Dealing with the fact, I think she knows he's dying, but he's still not dead. <laughs> so it's right. really difficult for her to be like, w- what is this? Mm-hmm. So that's uh, just not great.
0: Yeah. He died on May 13th.
1: Yeah. That's what I've got too. Yeah.
0: And they don't talk about it here, but I have seen other things about it. They do discuss it in the mini-series that these firefighters were buried in lead caskets. Mm-hmm. And covered in concrete. Yeah. Because their bodies were still so fucking radioactive. They couldn't even be cremated, right? Because then that's going into the air. So right. the safest thing to do was to put them in lead.
1: Well, I mean, that's the Marie Curie treatment, right? Right. I and mean, she had to have the same thing. So, mm-hmm. and think these are first responders, these are people that. Are going in despite the danger. I don't know if it would have made a difference if they had known because that's just how people are built Mm -hmm. who are first responders is they just are like okay I gotta get this under control for the good of everybody else. Right. So it's I mean I agree that they are heroes. I don't know it's tough to say what should have been done other than you know what I mean like I don't know what to say about that but I do I do really feel empathy and gratefulness that people are you know they they responded the way that they did i don't know right yeah yeah i will say that throughout this
0: entire thing the people of russia even if they were voluntold and not actually volunteering to do stuff they stepped up and they took care of the problem and they suffered for it but they still solved the problem they did an amazing job where their leaders failed the people Mm -hmm. stepped up yeah, they're succeeded. hardy stock
1: and they were they were very mm-hmm. concerned about their fellow citizen, which I, I find very commendable. And maybe that's just yeah. because the current climate where I'm at is not the way. <laughs> it's just not that
0: way right now. So I know no like, one thinks about anyone, yeah. I know, I know. So well, in true form, let's keep in mind this accident happened on the twenty sixth of April.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: On the fourteenth of May, Gorbachev finally addresses the country. His first national address since the incident. Are you fucking kidding me? That's just crazy. He talks about the accident. Yes, it was horrible. 299 people hospitalized with radiation sickness, seven dead. But due to quick action, the worst is behind us. And the most serious consequences
1: have been averted. Sweet. It's done. Yeah, that's not great. I'm not really sure what else to say.
0: (laughs) It's not the real story, but
1: yeah. Right, and it makes you wonder, like, surely he had the information, like this is an absolute dumpster fire. I mean, I don't know where the suppression comes from. I mean, obviously, the people down the food chain know that he doesn't want to hear the bad news. He just wants to believe that it's fine. So Mm -hmm. I always think that's an interesting dynamic to to know who knew what. And again, that's not necessarily discussed here. But
0: Right. I mean, it's quite a bit like Trump. Gorbachev is better spoken, right? I mean, he's a little more eloquent. Trump is just fucking trash oh goodness yeah but trump's the same way you know we only have a couple cases of covid in the u.s it's gonna go away
1: duh mm-hmm. <laughs> you guys are gonna be so impressed by how we handle this yeah it's the same yeah. fucking yeah So impressed. he's got a bit of a hard-on for dictators though you've ever, known, have you ever heard he, this story the yeah yeah it's gross
0: mm-hmm. i mean he's best friends with putin
1: so <laughs> yeah they were um Painted on a horse together, shirtless was fine. I don't know that that's a fact, but I like to think that in my baby mind. Yeah. I'm sure if it hasn't, it will be now. <laughs> <laughs> all right. So let's go to Ihor the Liquidator.
0: That is the best superhero name, though. Or villain. Ooh, give you
1: a super villain. That is a really good. Yeah. All right. Let's copyright that. Um, <laughs> so he's under orders to finish the cleanup liquidation kind of. Before some anniversary of the October Revolution, right? So they're trying to get all this quashed before some celebration, which I'm like, sounds like a great plan. Nothing could Mm -hmm. go wrong with this hurry up, super short cleanup business. Mm -hmm. There's a whole battalion at this camp. Mm -hmm. I I meant to look up how many is in a battalion, but I didn't. I don't know. More than four.
0: Yeah, between a (laughs) few and a lot is what I'm thinking.
1: Yeah. Yeah. More than four, yes. Okay. <laughs> because that would be a
0: few. <laughs> right? Yeah. One of the things that I thought was crazy is they had a thirty kilometer zone area mm-hmm. they were focused on. That seems
1: really small considering, right? So in the mini series they talk about it was recommended to have a hundred kilometer, but mm-hmm. then somebody along the line said, No, we'll do thirty and you'll like it, basically. So I don't know. Mm-hmm. Where that number came from, but that's a possible explanation because again, there's a real vibe of suppression. Uh, we're only willing to go so far, and then whatever makes us look worse, we're not doing it. So fuck off.
0: Well, and thirty kilometers is about what eighteen miles ish. So that's a really small circumference for an exclusion zone. I'd be interested to see what the current exclusion zone is, right? Because I don't know if it's bigger or smaller or what.
1: Well, again, here here we're talking about people that you know. I'm sure that they had scientists who understood what was going on uh, mm-hmm. and made recommendations. But I think if you don't really know what you're talking about, 18 miles sounds like a lot.
0: Well, what is that saying? Every disaster movie starts with somebody ignoring a scientist. So here we are.
1: Well, in the miniseries, again, uh, <laughs> I'm going to have to marry it. I love it so much. They talk to a, there's a lady scientist. and I don't have her name and I wish I did. But she wasn't real. Yeah, she she's a a collection of different people, Mm -hmm. but she goes to the office of some kind of like a government official, and he Mm -hmm. said, "Fucking scientists, right? Like you're only useful a very little bit of the time, and the rest you're just annoying everybody." And she's (laughs) like, "I mean, that's he says it beautifully. I wish I'd written it down. It's just such a great collection of what you deal with, because science is oftentimes very inconvenient." But I mean, again, it doesn't fit into your box of safety and quality because they're like actually concerned with safety and quality, mm-hmm. not your established arbitrary safety and quality jargon. Mm-hmm. Anyway, so they have the whole battalion of more than four dudes at this camp, and then they're <laughs> measuring the radiation of everything in the radius. But by God, don't you disclose any of those levels. More non disclosure
0: agreements. There are a lot yeah. of non disclosure agreements. And let me tell you guys, whenever those come out, it's never good. Right. People are hiding stuff, which is why they're like, you can't tell anyone we're hiding stuff. You know, but no one else can know. Right. It's not great. No. I mean, even though they're measuring the radiation, they don't really know what's going on. Right. They don't tell anybody the full story. They actually tell them very little of everything. Just enough to get them to be able to do the job and not enough to make them worry about it.
1: Yeah, it's the grunt work, right? Like, we need you to Mm -hmm. report back, and then we just need you to not worry your pretty head about it. Mm -hmm.
0: They do show clips of scientists, other physicists and nuclear scientists, talking on, let's say, BBC or some American show. Mm -hmm. And they're talking about how one American, who seems pompous as fuck and has a (laughs) scraggly beard and looks like he needs to shower, but whatever. That's how you know he's really good, is he looks unkept. Yeah physicists their hair is just my hair is almost to that level of growing out as physicists but not quite but he talks about how well you know in the U.S. we have containment Mm -hmm. buildings over the reactors which is what stopped Three Mile Island from really getting horrible is we had a containment unit Mm -hmm. like a concrete dome over it if you will and even the there was a he, he had what sounded like a Russian accent to me. But there was another gentleman that said, yeah, they don't have those there because that would admit that it's possible that something could go wrong and mm-hmm. Russia will never admit that it's not perfect. So they don't put them there, which is, one, crazy. It's fucking stupid. You don't not put safety things in place because you're like, it will never fail.
1: Well, I mean, unless you're Boeing, so. That too. <laughs> Sorry, I'm the I'm the reference <laughs> person today. I don't know.
0: yeah. But also I'm not sure the concrete dome would have helped that level of an explosion, right? A, a meltdown. Yes. But this is a very different situation. And that was an extra, there was a mushroom cloud. I don't think a concrete dome would have helped that much, but I like that these people were very much like, well, if they just had that little concrete dome, it would have been fucking fine. Sure guys. Sure it would.
1: Well, maybe it's just a difference in attitude. Like they had considered things beyond the expectation might happen. Whereas the Russians were not willing to look at things that might happen that they weren't expecting. I don't know. Maybe that to me, something somewhere in there might be what he's yeah. referring to. It was
0: probably a lack of information as well. If all you know that there was a meltdown mm-hmm. versus an actual explosion and they're not letting all of that out, mm-hmm. then of course, then this would have seemed like a protective kind of device. Sure. Right. I get it. He would just annoy me because he was pompous. The American, not the Russian. The Russian was very nice. Right. Sorry. No, I,
1: I mean, <laughs> yeah, it's crazy. But yeah, they had this belief that they were super safe and they didn't need mm-hmm. those kind of secondary things. Kind of an interesting uh way to go about it.
0: I mean, I don't wear elbow pads in my house when walking because <laughs> I just assume I'm not gonna fall. But here we are, and I have a broken fucking elbow. So right. maybe, maybe I am rushing deep down. <laughs> right. <laughs> it is explained that the eruption essentially poured nuclear material over a 1,000 square kilometers. So slightly more than 30, but not much, just a little right, bit more. Right, just scotch. yeah. hmm So the liquidators had several different jobs, right? They were spraying, it looks like just soapy water on stuff, but surely there's something else involved with that, right? Yeah. I'd be interested to know what it was.
1: Can I say, if you're spraying stuff all over contaminated housing, are you also cleaning up the cast off? (laughs) You know what I mean? Are you collecting that and disposing
0: of it correctly? Right. I get that. Or is it deactivating enough? Right? There are some things could you you deactivate it and then it's safe for disposal. Sure. But if it were that simple, I think we could have solved this problem a lot faster. But like we said, they had to cut down trees. They had to turn up soil. They had to kill all the animals in the exclusion zone. Mm -hmm. Wild, domesticated, make sure no one was there. People-wise, they sprayed the buildings and cars and tried to wash them but they also ended up having to take nuclear fuel off of the roof of the power plant right because when it exploded like i said some of that nuclear fuel ended up outside of the building right yeah so they tried to get a robot to do it
1: mhm but i they didn't really talk about so they got a fancy pants robot from germany That was supposed to basically just roll along and think of a snow shovel, right? Just push that shit on into the core and then they were going to seal off the core and then act like nothing ever happened, evidently. But Mm -hmm. the robot kind of froze up. It didn't, it wasn't really effective. I don't know if that's because of the radiation or not. I
0: believe so. It fucks up the electronics, so it wouldn't
1: work, right? Yeah. So it was very short-lived and it burned out and this... They sounded like the robot itself was a ton or so. Like, it's a big-ass thing. It wasn't, like, some Mm rinky-dinky thing. It wasn't effective. It didn't work. So, guess what they had to do?
0: They had to get people to do it.
1: Yeah, they had to get some bio-robots to do it. And I was like, all right. Yeah. Yep.
0: They got 5,000, I use this term lightly, volunteers. Because, again, they're soldiers. They don't have a choice. You do what you're told. Yep. So, even though they posed it as being a volunteer, I don't know that you could say no, because there's always the gulag right i mean you you choose this or that
1: (laughs) yeah i'd be interested to know how many deserters we had among this time because i don't know just people aren't stupid you know they're gonna see the people around them getting sick or they're not feeling well and it's just like if you Mm -hmm. could just go ahead and go till you drop dead that'd be great for us thanks so yeah
0: well that's what um so we have another nikolai nikolai kaplan who was a liquidator Mm -hmm. he discussed that the first people up had no idea what they were facing, right? Mm-hmm. After the first few groups come down, they're like, oh, yeah, that's not good, right? Right. They have, like, lead sewn into their clothes. Mm-hmm. They had like, full, like, goggles and face mask. Like, I was claustrophobic looking at them, let's be honest. They were just so bound up.
1: Yeah, it looked horrible.
0: But they're allowed, like, 90 seconds or some very small amount of time to go up, try to shovel any amount of this graphite back into the reactor and then mm-hmm. skedaddle off. But it looks like the least fucking efficient thing ever. Cause I'm watching this and they walk into say a room
1: Uh-huh.
0: and there's shit and debris everywhere. And right. so the guy takes a shovel and shovels from right where he walks in. He then takes the shovel and walks over a shit ton of debris to throw it into the opening, walks back to the opening to start all over. And I'm like, wouldn't it be more efficient if you just walked towards the edge and started there and cleaning up?
1: I have the same thought. Also, can we talk about the shovels? Were those play school shovels? They were mm-hmm. tiny shovels. I'm like, you couldn't get them like a snow shovel? Did they not have a snow shovel in Russia? Are you fucking kidding me? <laughs> it
0: snows all the time.
1: And there's tons of this stuff. I mean, literal tons, not like me being... Hundreds of tons. Hyperbolic. Yes. <laughs> yeah. But, um, <laughs> yeah. There's, I mean, it's like a mountain of this stuff. And they have 5,000 of the healthiest Kody Fingers Uh, volunteers told mm-hmm. to do this and they're just fresh little baby faces there's a lot of they footage are. of them like smiling and they're all excited to be chosen for this special horrible task oh boy that they each
0: get 800 rubles for Mm-hmm. 800 rubles i looked it up the best that i could find was it's roughly about eight thousand dollars today but that might not be accurate but still Unless it came back and said it's worth $2 million, I don't think it's worth it.
1: Well, I had that there was about $1,000 at the time, about $2,500 today. So somewhere between twenty five and $8,000, which might cover one of your trips to the hospital. I mean, it's socialist, right. so maybe they don't have to pay for that. But I don't know. Mm. It's not worth my veins liquefying. So just saying. No. All cool and stuff.
0: When it was all done, I did not get, so I think it was the plant manager, Yuri. I didn't get his last name. Did you get it? Mm hmm. What is it?
1: I just have Yuri because oh, okay. I gave up. up <laughs> I was like, look, I'm not going to get, I'm not going to pronounce this lovely man's name correctly. Mm-hmm. So he's just going to be Yuri. He seems
0: like a pretty cool cat. He was, you know, working with them, trying to get this stuff fixed and taken care of. And after it's mm-hmm. done, I mean, I didn't get how long it took to clean it. I mean, it was hundreds of tons.
1: 200 tons of the fuel was removed. So mm-hmm. think about 200 tons divided by one play school shovel's worth of every 90 removal seconds. capacity. <laughs> so 12 years, I don't know. Right. It was a long
0: time. Like in the, yeah. in the mini series, it looked like a week or two, but in reality it was like months. I think.
1: Well, I lied actually. My notes say that they started that in September of 86 and they were done sometime in October. So.
0: Oh, so a month. That's not bad.
1: Yeah. I don't know what the death toll was, but I feel like it was pretty good. Our friend, Ihor, the
0: liquidator, he said about 80% of the liquidators would die in the following years. Yeah. That's a really high number out of 5,000. But after it was done, they hoisted their flag. God save the queen or whatever they say in Russia. Mm -hmm. They each shook Yuri's hand and said, I serve the Soviet Union.
1: Mm -hmm.
0: And I thought... How many of them really wanted to just smack the man? Like, he seemed like a good cat, but still. How did his hand not just fall off? All that radiation, right? Well, he's been yeah. sitting there the whole time anyway. People are still working in the other facilities, right? Those reactors were still going yeah. for years. They just shut the last one down in, like,
1: early 2000s, I think. I feel good a lot about a lot of decisions that were made here. Yeah. Also, let me make this comment about the miniseries. Mm-hmm. The guy that plays the physicist... Jared Harris... Yes. Delightful. He seems to be very concerned about the radiation levels, but they're outside an awful lot. Mm-hmm. So I just wanted to throw that out there. It's like, obviously that's done for the movie. But like, it's just funny that I'm just like, look, they have like a card table and like maps and shit outside, which is mm-hmm. inefficient because there's probably also wind. Wind, Yeah. A couple. You
0: take a couple of those graphite pieces and just hold it down.
1: <laughs> <laughs> yes. Just think of it as a big doorstop or a, yeah. yeah, love it. It's
0: one of those things that I think, even when you see this, you see people outside right near the reactors and everything all the time. Like right, there was a guy sleeping in a car right outside the buildings. And I'm like, okay. I mean, I guess the car doors would help, but it's a lot.
1: I don't know. I I mean, there's a lot going on here that I don't understand. So, Right. Well, neither did they. That was the problem. Uh, 100%. <laughs>
0: So we go back to LaBella mm-hmm. and they actually have video of her going back to her home and, you know, is, is looking at her home and is discussing this tree that she planted with Vasya. And, and, you know, it's very hard. You can tell in her face that it's just painful mm-hmm. to see all this because, sure. like you said, they had all these grand plans of what they were going to do with their life. Yeah. But then she talks about so her and Vasya had named the baby because she was five months pregnant when he died. They named the baby Natasha. Mm -hmm. She did give birth. Natasha was alive for about five hours. And they said that Natasha essentially saved her mother because all Mm -hmm. the radiation that she got from touching Vasya, from breathing it in, from being nearby, the baby essentially took almost all of it in.
1: Right. So I looked up a little bit of information about this and they say that that's... Not necessarily correct. Mm -hmm. I can't tell you the like function of that, but they said that. Of course, she's breathing this stuff in, but if it would have penetrated her body in any other way, it also would have penetrated her abdomen. Mm -hmm. So there wasn't really a clear yes or no. I I think that that's true. What they believed at the time, but I don't know that. You know, with further kind of study, that that's necessarily a correct assumption here. Right, but they did talk about. There were an awful lot of cases of mutations and malformations and things like that of newborns after this time. Mm -hmm. A lot of cases of adrenal and thyroid cancers in newborns, which is pretty horrible. There's a lot of footage too of babies that were, you know, had a lot of problems. Yes, they had
0: like these black spots on them. Mm -hmm. That was weird. I wasn't sure if that was almost like. Burnt skin, dead skin. What it what it represented, other than maybe radiation poisoning, but it was weird.
1: Yeah, I I wish I well. Maybe I don't wish I knew more. But (laughs) again, that was probably one of those things I wish they would have maybe included a little bit more about what you're seeing there, or Mm -hmm. whatever. Or maybe they were like, this picture is horrible enough in itself, and we don't need to talk to you about it anymore. Right. But there was a lot of what the higher ups were diagnosing as radiophobia. Which is a psychological phenomenon that the government was saying that the population was experiencing. And that helped Mm -hmm. explain a lot of the health concerns that people were coming forward with. And basically Mm -hmm. the government was saying it wasn't happening. And so they seem to have a lot of footage and stuff for a psychological phenomenon.
0: Right. Doctors were forbidden to diagnose anything Mm -hmm. as radiation poisoning. Yeah, the, the government said that the accident had no negative effect on the population at all, health-wise. Right, right. It's fine. But then you go back and you listen to people who are talking about, they're being told by the government to either get sterilized or abort fetuses. Right. And the livestock was being born with deformities. A woman talks about a whole, like, 40 piglets were mutants. Yeah. It's not just people. It's affecting everything in the environment. Right. But, you know, it's okay. It's all good. Don't you worry about it.
1: Well, and the KGB comes around and they're having all kinds of people sign non-disclosure papers, right? So (laughs) they're trying to silence the true causes of this accident in the first place. And that's not good either, right? So Mm -mm. not only are we not acknowledging the fallout of this whole to-do, but we're not acknowledging the initial causes of it either. So it's just a real quagmire all around. Right.
0: So they say it's human error, right? And they find Mm -hmm. three people to charge with this Mm -hmm. issue, right? Saying that their neglect of safety caused this incident. Right. Keep in mind, if it's not human error, then they have a bigger issue because their reactors, they had several RBMK reactors throughout the Soviet Union. So if there's an issue with the actual reactor and how it was built, that problem is going to perpetuate throughout. Right. It could. And they don't want it to look like this weakness. Yeah.
1: Yeah. If it happens in one place, you're vulnerable. in all these other places, mm-hmm. I think I had somewhere that there were 50. Probably. So there are 50 of those kinds of reactors. So that's, mm-hmm. I mean, you're just asking for it.
0: Sounds good. They <laughs> yeah. set up a sham court, essentially, to prosecute these men yep. and let international journalists come and watch. Anatoly Dyatlov is the only one I have written down. He was the deputy Mm -hmm. chief at Chernobyl, and he was the only professional physicist at the plant that night. Mm -hmm. I don't know him as a person, obviously. I don't know any of these people. But I'll say that they portray him really, really poorly in the miniseries. Like,
1: surely he wasn't that much of a dick, right? Yes. Here we are, again, getting into that... Don't bring me any problems mentality. Like, no, you didn't. You didn't see that. No, you didn't. Yep. Couldn't possibly, couldn't possibly. Mm -hmm. Instead of, oh, this might be worse. You know, I mean, so the tale of this whole thing is if we had acknowledged, number one, that there were design flaws, number two, the real um, scale of the problem initially might have done some good instead Mm -hmm. of this whole like, denial of what was actually going on that just perpetuated everything and made it so much worse mm-hmm. i mean it was pretty bad to begin with but right we really must move past this denial of initial stuff it's just i mean we just see it over and over and over again well i
0: feel like that if you grows. can't admit the problem you can't solve the problem
1: right you don't have good solutions yet. yeah
0: deep down i am a fixer and a fixer that's what i am so i want to be mm-hmm. able to know what the problem is so i can fix it Yep. On July 29th, 1987, the three arsons, they were, it claimed gross violation of safety rules. I think in the ministry they say their sentence like 10 years or something. But it's determined later that the real cause was a faulty design with the mm-hmm. RBMK reactors that would make them sometimes uncontrollable. And so like the emergency stop didn't actually emergency stop. Yes. Yep. This was known, right? They knew this before the accident. But it was considered a flaw, and they didn't want to deal with it, and so they kind of hush-hushed all that shit, Mm -hmm. which now led to this happening. And even after the explosion, because they didn't want to admit it was an error in design flaw or lack of safety setting up or whatever, they didn't fix the rest of them until much later.
1: Right. I don't know. I just, like I said, we've seen this time and time again where you know that there's a problem, you really don't want to deal with it, whether it's for image or money mm-hmm. or whatever, but you know, it all comes out in the, like you can't hide stuff and people die from it. And then mm-hmm. you're like, Oh, sorry. Or whatever. I mean, it's just, I just don't know how people can live with themselves. I don't know.
0: Dyatlov claims that he made no safety mistakes. Sure. And I get that in reality. He probably did follow specific protocols, not knowing that this was an issue. He might have mm-hmm. done things differently. Had he known this was a problem, Right. If you don't have right. the knowledge, you can't do the right thing.
1: And if the government's determined to make you a scapegoat, it probably doesn't matter what you say.
0: Yeah, so, absolutely not. Yeah, absolutely yeah. not.
1: You're kind of fucked anyway.
0: They talk about, I want to say it was General Nikolai who talks about the lies led to the explosion because they hush-hushed right. the documentation, mm-hmm. which led to a political explosion and the collapse of the Soviet Union. So although there is yeah. a direct line from one to another, it... It's a zigzagged line, and it was a downhill battle for the Soviet Union after that.
1: Yeah. So once they kind of admit that there were flaws that caused the explosion, Mm -hmm. very shortly after that, the Ukraine votes for independence, which is now in question again, right?
0: uh, December 1st of 1991, the Ukraine voted for independence.
1: And then by 1992, the Soviet Union was no more. There was no more Mm -hmm. of that. So, I mean, I guess it's good that there were some unintended consequences like this I don't know if it made things better you'd like to think so but that's a mysterious part of the world as far as I'm concerned I'm not up to my you know current events and whatnot what I do know it's estimated that 8.4 million people were exposed to radiation from the accident Mm -hmm. there's an estimate of 200,000 deaths but officially it's listed as 31 (laughs) which is only 31 people died Quite a difference. So, yeah.
0: Well, I think they can lie to themselves in that instance. Cause they're like 31 died because of the explosion directly immediately after okay. they're not taking into account any of the effects of the radiation after that. Right. right. Period. Long-term effects or any of that.
1: Right. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So again, I really enjoy, the, I mean, I love the story, which you can, whatever that says about me is I'm a horrible person, but I liked the fact that you can watch, the documentary, which is more faxy, right? Mm -hmm. You can watch the miniseries, which pretty closely follows along the story. It's got some more dramatization and and a little bit more discussion about things, and it puts it in a way that you don't... I mean, it's just a great story, right? It is, and they did
0: a really, really good job with the miniseries. Yeah, well, both.
1: Yeah, I really like them both. So, my recommendation is that you watch the documentary and then watch the miniseries, because, like I said, Mm -hmm. I think it's really interesting to watch it that way. It's a great cautionary tale and again please don't eat anything other than something light. You got to watch it cuz <laughs> in the mini series I think that they did a really good job of painting the picture of what happens to you. And there is some of that in the documentary, but it's not as graphic in my opinion, right?
0: I agree and I like that these came out because again, if you weren't of a certain age, you aren't familiar with the accident at Chernobyl, mm-hmm. right? So, it brings it back to the forefront and it's just good to learn about. Right.
1: I also wanted to mention that the younger crew might know of Chernobyl because there have been a couple horror movies. Oh yeah. That discuss Chernobyl, right? So, mm-hmm. and it's kind of about I've not seen them. You you're the horror movie person among the two of us. So, you can go and watch those, but also weirdly enough on Dark Tourist, which is David Ferrier who is an honorary Aaron Mm-hmm. He just doesn't know it yet. He actually <laughs> goes to Chernobyl because like, you can right. tour part of it now. You could. Right. Maybe not right now. But, right. But there's a whole thing about whether or not it's safe <laughs> Like, mm-hmm. is that they kind of deal with that. Here we right. are, you know, 30 years later almost. But yeah, pretty interesting. I mean, they're wearing mm-hmm.
0: dosimeters as they're walking around to make sure they're not getting too much radiation. But actually, Declan and I we're going to go to Chernobyl when he got out of the Marines and now with everything going on, I'm like, Oh man. So I don't know. Mm -hmm. I hope this whole thing is over soon. I, I feel like it's a lot of tiny penis syndrome on Putin's part. Like listen, no one likes me. I need to do something. (laughs) It's kind of what it's come down to. So just stop it. Mm -hmm. Let them be Mm -hmm. and move on with your life. Right. And then they can be happy and maybe you'll die and then Russians can be
1: happy again. I don't know. Yeah, there's a lot more going on besides our inability to get to Chernobyl, uh, which is sad, but uh, not that <laughs> yeah. I really want to go there. I don't know. It's I'm dying to go there. Well, that's putting it <laughs> poorly. I would really like to go. Well, I think to go and like walk around and see what treasure was left behind would be pretty slick. Mm-hmm. I don't really love the idea that, know, like, Dark Tourist, which is on Netflix, it's a series. It's mm-hmm. lovely. They kind of have a whole thing about, like, should we really be here? Oh, it doesn't feel as safe as I thought it would. So mm-hmm. very interesting. So anyway, it's kind of come full circle, like an interesting thing that people want to go and see the sites of disaster because we're voyeurs by nature, right? Mm-hmm. Kind of interesting, yeah. Mm-hmm. So that's what we got.
0: Okay, what are we doing next week?
1: Next week, we're going to talk about Class Action Park that's on HBO Max. It's a little bit older, 2020, about an hour and 30 minutes. And it is about a water park in... Where is it Jersey in the eighties, which is kind of good good for us to talk about, but it was a problematic place. It wasn't uh, all fun and and games. There were some issues, but it's, it's pretty awesome.
0: It's an interesting documentary. Yeah. And if, if you lived anywhere around New York, New Jersey area, everyone, I think as kids knew about it and wanted to go, whether they could or not, maybe Mm -hmm. their parents were smarter than their parents. Yeah. But you know, we were free reign back then. So we just did whatever we wanted as kids. Right.
1: So here we are at the height of summer, and there's probably a lot of people going to water parks and amusement parks and stuff like that. Mm-hmm. So we kind of figured this might be a good time to cover this gem. Mm-hmm. So yeah, hope you can watch and enjoy. Yeah. So please come rate, review, and subscribe. We're available on Instagram and Twitter at Go Doc Yourself. And thanks for joining us.
0: We'll talk to you next week. Woo!
1: Later. Bye.
0: Bye.